The Ensemble podcast is intended for professional financial advisors. This content is created in partnership with our sponsor, Net Wealth Investments Limited, ABN 85090 569 109, AFSL 230 975, and is limited to publicly available information. Before acting on any general advice, you should consider whether appropriate and obtain financial advice from a qualified financial advisor. Ensemble does not hold an AFS license and does not provide any financial advice or services or endorse any general advice. If a PDS or IM exists, you should obtain a copy and review it thoroughly before making a decision. Advice tech. As if it wasn't enough to be across TMD's Alpha Beta, Rule of 72 and all the other nuances of financial advice. Now, advisors are expected to be across all the technology options too. And there's so many of them. But never fear, Peter D is here. Join me each week on a journey of discovery through the software and apps on offer for advisors and advice businesses. So let's dive in, fellow advice explorers. This podcast is proudly sponsored by NetWealth. Imagine a world of investment choice that goes beyond borders. Open up a world of investment opportunity with NetWealth, where you can access local and international securities, as well as bonds and foreign currency options for wholesale clients. Offer your clients flexibility, transparency, and efficiency with managed accounts, managed funds, and access to non-custodial assets. A world of investment awaits you. Discover it at netwealth.com.au forward slash woo. Hello and welcome to the Ensemble Advice Tech Podcast. I'm Peter Diamantitis and the guest joining me here today to deep dive into Retire Map is a two-time tech founder having developed Property Genius back in 1999, built an advice and finance business over more than 15 years to then sell and now focus in the advice tech space. Thank you so much for joining me on the show, Andrew Gardner. Great to be here, Peter. Thanks for asking. Not at all. So we're going to dive into retirement. We'll get there in a bit. But like we always do, we'd love to get to know you a bit better through your use of technology. So, what is your most used emoji? Do you even use emojis? I use emojis a lot, actually. I find they're a great way to sign off and to wind down a conversation. I think the emoji I use the most would be thumbs up, sometimes a smiley face, but that's the thumbs up I use a lot. So, uh, that's a really good one. Now, I read an article on the plane yesterday, actually, um, coming back into Sydney and snorted with laughter, which is always a bit embarrassing, surrounded by people you don't know on a plane. Uh, And the article said, for those of us that aren't the millennial or or Gen Zers, that the thumbs up emoji has now become the equivalent of a middle finger. Would you believe? So (laughs) that could be embarrassing. (laughs) Right. And I'm like, oh, I need to reconsider whether when I'm using that particular emoji. You the smiley face a bit more often than... Correct. So I, I, I figure I will share that with all of us that are used to using the thumbs up because it is something that we all use a lot um, and and share the fact that I, you know, snorted with laughter and embarrassed myself on a plane, which, um, you know, is bound to happen. I'm one of those people. Plus, Always happy to provide entertainment. Morning, we're out with our grandchildren. The youngest one is only four years old. He says, ha, ah, Here's the, this is my naughty figure I'm not allowed to use. <laughs> <laughs> and pr- quite gleefully, I imagine. You know, kids always love that. Well, then, let's talk smartphones. Uh, we're all just living with them all the time these days. If you had to delete everything off your smartphone and then just keep three apps, which three would you keep? 
Oh, that's a tough one, but I'd have to come down to 3RW. I listen to them uh, routinely. Mm-hmm. Probably uh, AFL Live or the yeah, AFL apps. I use that to keep a track of what's happening with uh, with my teams. Mm-hmm. And uh, Google Maps would be the other one. And if I had a fourth and uh, you gave me that extra leeway, <laughs> I'd probably keep the App Store app on. <laughs> yes, just in case, right? Just in case. just in case there's another one. Beautiful. Well, let's dive into Retire Map, shall we? So for... The listener who may not have heard of the tool, um, at a very high level, uh, talk to me about where it sits in the advice sort of tech space. You know, who is it? What category does it sit under? Who is it sort of sitting alongside generally when people are comparing tools? Right. Retire Map is essentially a sophisticated planning tool. We put a lot of work into its core function of planning. It probably sits right beside X tools and that capability. Yep. And uh, it's most specifically designed for advisors and planners with more complex clients, more sophisticated structures. We're talking trusts and companies and businesses and corporate beneficiaries. Okay. That's what it space is where it excels. Uh, it also does a lot of work in the property investment space. I know that's not a big space for advisors, but for those clients who have property investment, it does a lot of analysis on there and provides a lot of information that the advisor can work with around advising the clients with their property investors, particularly when they get closer to retirement age and they need more cash flow than capital growth. So it's very good in that space uh, as yeah, well. Okay. And so I'm betting you didn't just have a whole lot of spare time and suddenly wish you wanted to build an app, there's got to be a reason that this came about, right? So what made you embark down this path and start, you know, an analysis tool like this? Well, as you said in your introduction, I owned a financial services business, which covered uh, financial um, financial planning as well as uh, finance. And we did some work in property as well, but they were the key areas. And what I found was that the advisors were really struggling with the platforms that are available and how long it took to do some functionality and the capability was limited in some spaces. We built this to make our advisors more efficient, particularly for high net worth and high income clients, which formed the base of my uh, client base. Mm -hmm. And what I was able to do was to do things much more quickly. For example, calculating the capital gains tax on the sale of a property could be completed in just two, two and a half minutes. Doing salary sacrifice uh, over a long term, it worked out the optimum amount of salary sacrifice and do that in maybe 30 seconds, something like Mm -hmm. that. But it did a lot of this functionality very, very quickly. And we initially built it on an Excel spreadsheet. And then after I sold the business, I had more time. So I put a team together and then we built it out into a web-based program from there. Yeah, okay. And so this is sort of combating the um, – and we've all had to do it, haven't we? No matter what analysis tool you use where you've sort of had to force the tool to do the thing you want it to do as opposed to it intuitively knowing. So you've, you know, lots of layers and entering fields in here and and adding transactions and all those sort of things that can, can first of all, be – like you say, time consuming, but also are a bit fraught with error because if you don't quite get it right, this thing appears in that year and that one appears in that, you know, like those sort of things can occur when you're doing this sort of analysis. So it's trying to really deal with those sort of more layered transactions and, and you know, uh, assets and all that sort of thing for people with a really complex environment that you're trying to analyse for them. Yeah, one of the things that we worked with to, to perfect was to build wizards into the program so that does the heavy lifting and do it really quickly. So instead of having to go through layer by layer and building out a 30-year plan, which this is capable of doing, 
it goes into the wizard and it repeats the process. So you set the parameters around what you're trying to achieve. It's able to distribute 30 years of trust distributions out to internal and external beneficiaries as well as corporate beneficiaries in about 20 seconds over 30 years. And that flows all the way through the program to provide the best outcomes. And it does the same for um, company dividend distribution as well that's able to distribute that very quickly over a long period of time as well. And I guess that's the sort of thing that, um, you know, for some advisors, they go, oh, that's that's something that may not come up that often, but actually there's more and more people establishing these types of structures going forward. And so particularly as they're giving consideration to other planning they're doing, whether it's estate planning or other reasons that they're doing some of these things, then you do need tools that can then handle that complexity with ease <laughs> rather than driving you nuts with difficulty. Well, when you look at the super environment at the moment, and now they're putting a cap on the, the $3 million cap, which is going to make it all the more difficult for higher net worth clients, and to be able to set up a trust and have multiple distri- uh, distribu- distributions and out to corporate beneficiaries where there's a tax benefit as well, um, the word coming back from those sorts of uh, planning firms is that's become a, becoming higher and higher in demand to have the capability to do that. But no, they do it, but to do it efficiently and effectively that it doesn't take up half your life in doing this sort of things and having to build spreadsheets to do these sorts of things and then the difficulties around maybe the, the formula's not quite right to do that, the tax considerations, top-up tax, all those sorts of considerations, whether the company is a trading company tax rate or a non-trading company tax rate, they're the sorts of things that uh, can really take up one's time in trying to develop a really meaningful and powerful plan for a client that sets the planner and their practice apart from everywhere else they've been. Yeah, it's it's an interesting um, area. I know there are uh, look, and I'm I'm a bit of a math freak myself. You know, I studied actuarial studies, so so numbers are my language. Um, but I think we can uh, get caught up sometimes in doing these things ourselves. In that we're trying to you know do it with grunt some of this analysis when anything that has a formula should be in a system. Like anything that, you know, can be calculated. I mean, that's what these systems are for. And and when I say systems, even to, you know, the ex- full extent of of AI and smart systems, they can do this stuff so well. You know, we don't Absolutely. we don't need yeah. to be manually doing this stuff. And I think the other strengths um, that retirement's able to do, because this can be done so quickly, so efficiently and without having to use a lot of brain power to do it and be distracted away from the client. This could all be done with the client. So you're sitting there with them and you're looking at the screen together and then you work out and build a jointly built plan that makes sense to the client. If they've got these structures, uh, either they understand them, they'll follow you, or you're able to explain to them how this flows and you can do it collaboratively with them. If the client's involved in the input and in the planning, they're definitely going to take ownership of the output because they've been a part of the structure design. So then it's natural that the, your primary users will be the advisors um, and the people dealing with clients. Do you find many are using, say, power planners using the tool and then, you know, the advisor might check it or work alongside them? So what, what would you say the, the, the split between that is? Is, there, is it more common that it's the advisors or do they, some of them have support team that actually set up the analysis for them and then they go and look at it? Yeah, great question. The planners are the ones who do the the primary work, and then the power planners come in behind them and finesse the outcomes. Okay, so it's a matter of then working together and and building a plan that really works well for them. So sometimes they may well get ninety or ninety five percent of the way during the meeting, and then they have the power planner go back and just refine a little bit because some of the nuances might have changed, 
or maybe there's a slightly uh, better way of doing creating a better outcome. But yep, uh, primary use is definitely the planners and then the power planners coming in behind them to support it. And they're all working off exactly the same platform so that once a power planner has finessed it, the advisor's got it back there in front of them and they can then put it up on the screen, show the client, walk it through with them when they get back together, whether it be in person or by Zoom. So then it um, it clearly suits, you know, any practice that's got some of those, you know, clients that are in that high net wealth or more complicated space. That makes a lot of sense. Is there any, um, you know, environment, like is there any practices you think that it just doesn't suit well for? They just don't extract the value and it may even be by the way they implement it. Is there any ways you've seen that you thought, oh, you know, that didn't quite work for them and there's you can see why? Yeah, I think. The practices who work primarily in the space where Centrelink is the bulk of the work and the bulk of their their core, that that's where I think that Retire Map is not going to be as good as some yep. of the other uh, platforms around that specialise in this space. We've got a niche market. We've built a that niche market, and uh, we are looking at adding um, a lot of lot more into automating the the Centrelink process. But at this stage, I'd say for the next six months or so, that's not going to be where our strength is. Our strength will be at the other end of the market. So more that middle to upper level and uh, and some are even interested in uh, family offices, but I would say that middle to upper level. Okay. And in terms of then um, somebody that's sort of starting to onboard, is there anything you'd suggest that they do first or anything that that will make it that much easier to sort of onboard Retire Map into the practice? Yeah, I think the easiest way to uh, to get on board with it is to spend a little bit of time with us, maybe 45 minutes to an hour, to actually go through the sequence and look at how the program is put together and how it functions. It's laid out in a very sequ- sequential uh, way of doing things, or our system, if you like. So it starts with fact find, it goes into the strategy section where you build your plan and then the reports feed off the back of that. So we provide a service where we'll spend some time with new clients to onboard them and make them feel comfortable about how this comes together. And then we've got a range of tutorial videos that clients can follow up. And when we push out another enhancement, uh, deploy another enhancement, we deploy it with a tutorial. And what we'll have very shortly is these tutorial embedded into each section of the program. So when you're doing a certain function, you're able to click on a question mark and be able to bring up the tutorial. And it will show you how to do that functions. Most of the tutorials we've been able to keep right down to uh, quite um, quite small sizes. We're talking about two or three minutes. Some of them are only one minute, and some of them might be four or five minutes for the more complex areas. And uh, but also having an overview of where things are at, I think that's the best way to onboard and get familiar with it. And then it works its way sequentially through it. You start at the top left, and you work your way down to the bottom. You start in the middle in the at the top again, work your way down through through the strategy section, and then you got all the reports there, and it's straight quite straightforward. But it is designed to be simple and easy to learn, and it doesn't take like five years to learn how to use all the nuances of it. Within months, you'll be mastering this program. Learning it is quick and easy. Mastering it, but it doesn't take that long either. And so then, <clears throat> excuse me, you talked about the um, the client and, and potentially using this tool, you know, while you're talking to the client. What do you see? Um, I mean, it, it's 
It's always a bit of an interesting question to me because planning tools are designed for people who love numbers and graphs, right? So <laughs> all of us are like, woohoo, planning tool. Um, and so I'm curious what you think, for, particularly for these more complicated um, structures, um, is is the tool by doing that in front of the client, is it is it making it more tangible for the client because they've often just seen accounting reports and, you know, here's the distributions and here how's, here's how it's working. Is this sort of making it more visible for them? Is that where you see the value of sort of using the tool in front of them? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that uh, the client being engaged and involved in the process, they you create one scenario, one, one plan. You click a button, clone that plan, and then you introduce for example, um, external parties, or you introduce corporate beneficiaries, and then you start to distribute there. And you can see straight away on the outputs what difference that makes to their tax, tax liabilities. And then you can do the comparisons where you can compare on a limited number of scenario plans against 14 different metrics and KPIs to identify which of those plans is the most effective for the client's needs on a case-by-case basis. So, yep. It allows them to sit there and see the function happen right in front of their eyes and they can input and they can say, what about if we do this? What about if we do that? Or the advisor can provide a sequence of options as well. So yeah, being involved in it, it certainly creates a sense of realness. And I've used this with a lot of my clients over the years and found that the end result is uh, a common feedback we get from clients is, this is the first time I've really understood where I am understand where I'm going and understand how you're going to help me get there, but understand the numbers more than anything because they do flow in sequence. Yeah. And I think it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting challenge with anytime you're using sort of layers of structure, you know, where, where money's sort of flowing through things is it's very hard to get your head around those if you don't play in that game. It's really, cause it just sounds all so complicated, you know, and it, and it sort of needs to be because that's where the value comes from. But, you know, for your everyday punter, I think, I think sometimes we overestimate how much they are grasping of those things. And so anything that can help you, um, you know, us as advisors demonstrate that so that they can clearly see what's going on, um, is, is, well, I think fundamental, really. It's it's a way that they can really grasp their situation uh, so that then, you know, there should, there should be less surprises. You know, they should really get a better handle on why they're doing it, um, but also what might happen into the future. Well, it's interesting you say that about the complexity and how people don't understand what they, they have in some circumstances or difficulty in grasping it. What we've got in the design process now and will have delivered over the next month to six weeks is as the structure is being built, it's going to design, build a plan or a diagram with it so that the client can actually see the diagram growing in front of their eyes. So as the advisor is setting up the trustee and the trust and the beneficiaries, et cetera, it's going to have a diagram that appears in front of them and they'll be able to show on a, that flow map about how all the all, how the money flows from one entity to the next and rolls down to their, to their pockets in the end. And that's something we've been asked for. In fact, one of the uh, key um, contributions we've had from our planners so far is they say things like, if only our platform could do this. And we're saying, well, I reckon we could do that. So we get together with a team, we we have our design team get together and say, this is what the planners would love to have. And this is then we go about building that part of the process. And we've built some, a lot of our stuff that we've built um, beyond the base has been out of planners wanting another capability and we're very eager to get that feedback from clients, what you need, how do you want it to look, 
and what sort of outcomes do you want? And then we build almost to a custom order uh, as long as it's got an application throughout the industry. And it, it is an interesting point, isn't it? Because a lot of those um, or boxes and arrows, you know, sort of diagrams are often used to describe, say, a strategy and they're distinctly separate from the analysis or the or the flows as in the, you know, over time. Like we, we see those as two separate things when in, you're right, in reality, they're um, very linked. And I think by, you know, laying them next to each other like that, then it can also probably help the client. Like, I know that looks a bit complex in a diagram, but can you see what that did? You know, like it's it's helping them connect the benefit to the complexity um, because that is important. It's, it's you know, they need that anchor um, because there is some extra things that need to happen um, each year and, and that they're going to have to embark on. And so to help them anchor that understanding and that benefit, uh, that's a great idea to have that sort of side-by-side effectively uh, for them. Yeah, that's right. And you can go into a section called income planning. And in the income planning section, you can actually map out the capability of not only having organic income growth, such as wage rises that might be 3% or whatever the number is, there's a capability there to uh, put in maybe a promotion or maybe a change of job and go from, say, $125,000 a year to $140,000 a year that you're mapping out and planning for in uh, 2025, for example. Or it could be that when you turn 60, I want to go and do some charity work. I want to leave this high-paid, high-pressure job and drop back to, say, 100 grand a year, 120 grand a year, then that can be added in so that the client can get a feel of what the impact will have on their cash flow, their ability to fund their lifestyle, and that sort of thing as well to give them a much broader feel. And you and I were talking a little while ago about people having midlife crisis and go off and doing things that they haven't done before, whether it be a tree change or whatever. But being able to map out a scenario where this is incorporated into it, it gives them the end result of, gee, what if I did take a less a low-pressure job or something that I really want to do is um, send me volunteering and drop a half by sorry? Can I still afford to live to do that? When do I need to sell that investment property? What impact will that have about helping fund my cash flow and my lifestyle going forward? Being, doing, being able to do those sorts of scenarios uh, or even just dropping back uh, that I want to stop working five days a week to four and then the three days a week that's all part of that uh, that planning process. So that, I think, has also helped a lot in helping people see that, yes, I can afford to do this. I can work toward that. I'll put in a big effort over the next two years, and then I can back off in the last few years. So um, I think that has been beneficial to clients to see the consequences of their, uh, their dreams and their ideas about what they'd like to do into the future. And I think... Um... I completely agree with you. And I do think there's a, needs to be a bit more onus on us as advisors to prompt that thinking. And it's because what happens is people get so conditioned for assuming they can't do things. So assuming they can't quit work and have a six-month sabbatical, assuming they can't, like all these things. And they just, because they can't even get their head around trying to work out if that's possible, they instantly discount it. They just don't even let their brain latch onto it. And therefore, when we say, hey, is there something you'd love to do? They won't mention it because they've already completely discounted it in their head. Or have a you baby know? and stop right. for six months, 12 months, 18 months for one partner to do that. Right. Uh, being able to map that out and see if they can afford to do that or when they can afford to do that. Yeah. So people, you know, and people really, um, we've got to help them. And sometimes, I mean, there's, um, in fact, I'm sort of 
right in doing a little bit of this for a client and it's it's um just some hey what ifs and i've come i came up with a couple of random ones the first time we sort of interacted on this and it they were just sort of off the top of my head and just taking nuances you know one of them was not ecstatic with their work, you know, and, oh, I feel like I need to take a moment to breathe and work out if this is what I really want to do in the long term, you know, that's just those hints you get. And so I just threw in an example that had a six-month sabbatical mm. um, and which was possible. They're in, in great shape. They've really, really knuckled down in terms of their finances and they were just stunned. It completely changed the way they look at what was possible for them. So I think there's a bit on us to sort of do some of that interpretation and and show people. Now, some people, you're doing the reverse. You're like, ah, no, all those grand plans, <laughs> you're not going to be able to do. But I do think the reverse is necessary as well. I think sometimes, I mean, our purpose is not to stop people living um, you know, we, I, I don't want for my clients them to have this lump of money at the end and, and have not done anything they want to do. So I think we've just got to balance that um, with inspiring them almost, you know, showing them what's possible um, and demonstrating the, the numbers that we produce. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a valuable, it's a valuable insight. Yeah, I think a, a big concern on top of running out of money is not having the life that you'd love to have had and ending up with all this money, but too old to enjoy it. So, right. to your point, I think that's a it's a really valid point. So, let's talk about integration. Does the does a retirement app integrate with other tools? Um, you know, for maybe feeding in from a CRM or anything, anything like that. Yes, we've uh, we've had tech partnerships with IntelliFlow, who's mm-hmm. uh, really making a mark in the Australian market now, and also Fin Three Six Lite. Both great companies, yep. and both had great CRMs. And so, when we integrate with them. Uh, you go into um, that CRM and then you're able to access RetireMap from there and then hit a button and it puts the data straight into RetireMap from each data point and then you do your analysis and the uh, the strategy development inside RetireMap and then click another button and it ex- exports it back out into the, to the CRM uh, seamlessly. And like installation of RetireMap into IntelliFlow, for example, we're talking four to five, maybe five and a half minutes. So it's okay. very quick, very efficient. And uh, we streamlined that process to make it really easy for people who have those two CRMs to be able to access RetireMap without much of a, a break in stride. Perfect. And uh, and I'm betting part of that um, was possible due to the APIs. They've both got sort of really accessible um, APIs uh, that make it easier for tools like yours to talk with them. Absolutely. The APIs uh, are terrific. And uh, we put a lot of work into optimizing that API capability to be able to draw as much information as what the CRM has gathered to be able to feed it straight into uh, into RetireMap. RetireMap does gather uh, quite a bit of information. So if there are any pieces here and there that may not have been imported, RetireMap will tell you what those pieces are so that you can plug those, those few pieces in uh, and it just takes a few minutes then to be able to complete that process. And then you're free to go and start the strategy development, complete that, export it straight back out, and you've got it all in the CRM again. Perfect, perfect. Um, so is there any features or, or elements of the tool that you are surprised people haven't used more that you think, oh, this is a this has got some value there and people just haven't quite got to that point? Um, and, you know, maybe it's the masters or the, you know, the ninja users that get there, but people haven't quite taken advantage of that element of the of the tool? We've been really conscious about making RetireMap uh, easy to operate and sequential. So we haven't had that kind of problem 
a lot of platforms, I'm sure we all know, a bit like photocopiers where it's got uh, 3,000 functionalities <laughs> and use the green button and that's about it. Mm. But with retirement, because it does take a sequence and each step takes you to the next next step uh, and they've got the built-in wizards, I would say that um, 95% of the program is used on a, uh, on a non-going basis where if the client has a need for that capability, it's done because uh, the program actually uh, moves you into that next step automatically and you can move around to it separately, but the automation takes you all the way through the process. So yeah, I reckon about 90, 95% of it is used routinely by the advisors who have it. And then with the tutorials and the support that we provide, they're able to uh, use that capability quite comfortably. And it's an interesting thing actually with um that's probably not used as much generally in tech, um, but particularly advice tech is that sort of um, user journey, you know, the just just taking people down the bouncy ball so that they know that they're entering things in right and, and rather than sort of forcing them to become experienced users to know, well, make sure you put that field in or make sure you put like that, particularly in analysis, what worries me about that is that's when the numbers go really wrong. You know, and and you miss this one thing, and it's you know it's escalating at at you know twelve percent instead of six, or you know like these sort of things are so easy to do. Um, and whereas you know it's great to have that path, you just go on, and and this is the next thing you've got to do, and here's the next thing you know got to do is a powerful way to just get some consistency, you know, and and comfort for the user that they've um entered everything they need to. Yeah, I agree, and th- that's why the the save buttons have two words on them: save and continue. And you can step back and go straight back to doing what you're doing if you want to uh, have a look at it, but it mm-hmm. does take you on the journey all the way through to uh, to make it uh, easy. Our design team has put a lot of thought into how do we make this uh, as user-friendly and as easy to use as possible? Uh, what wizards can we incorporate into it um, to provide the automation, but also then give the advisor, the planner override that they can uh, reverse whatever the automated process is, or have an input into it. Another feature that we have that also makes it a lot easier for advisors is what we call practice set parameters. Practice set parameters means that implementation, you set the parameters around the assumptions and a range of other repetitive tasks where the program will automatically embed those numbers and then the practice leadership sets the parameters around the advisor as to what they're allowed to change, what they're not allowed to change. They can leave them all open for full change or they can restrict them. And some dealer groups want to have that control over advisors as well as to what they're allowed to use as assumptions or uh, those input numbers as well. And then there's a an ability within there for the practice to set the parameters around what reports the client is able to view from their own portal so they can open them all up, they can open one only up or none at all, depends on how the practice wants to set those parameters. And that leads to the next point, I suppose, that um, for those who are using RetireMap as a fully standalone planning tool, they're able to set up the initial basic parameters around the client, click on one tick box, and that will automatically send out an email with a link for the client to use their own unique uh, username and their own password to be able to go in and enter their own data and we find that is also very simple for the clients to use because, again, uh, save and continue, and it just walks the client through the process of the data entry, and it saves so much time where it's not incorporated into the CRM uh, mm-hmm. and you standalone. The client can enter their own data, 
And then you've got that benefit that, hey, you went to the data and I'm only using your data. And uh, so they've got no confusion about what the correct information is because the client's entered in those circumstances. And where the advisor enters the data in or whether it's imported in from 365 or from IntelliFlow, the first report that's produced is a fact find which lays out all the data that's been collected down the bottom it's export to PDF. And then the advisor can email that out to the client, say, please check this, sign it off, and acknowledge it's been true and correct. And then you've got sign off on the client straight away before you start doing your planning process. Fantastic. And you mentioned then um, sort of like the client portal or, or access for the client. Is that just for, say, the data collection or do they then have the ability to see results um, through that as well? Yeah, they can see the results as well. That depends on the practice setting up the parameters around what reports the client's allowed to see. Okay. All of them, some of them, none of them. It's up to the practice as to what they can see, but it's a fully secure environment. Uh, we use multi-factor authentication, uh, all those security points, and we constantly work on that security to make sure uh, that the client's information is, is protected. We don't gather any more information than is required, and the client can feel quite secure about going in there and having a look at those reports or indeed entering their own data or if the advisor has allowed them to adjust the data um, into the future. And it's an interesting point, the um, sort of uh, uh, system-wide assumption, you know, being able to set those across the board. Um, I think a lot of advisors sort of apply that to something like you mentioned that's a license set you know like it's the licensee have said well this is what we should do up returns all sorts of things um but what i've realized with um some of the tools we use is it's also an opportunity to set things that just make it more efficient because of the way say you provide advice or the tools you use as in the the offer or the structures or whatever you use then to start getting smarter about some of the fields than just say look this just needs always to be this um can just make it easier as you go forward you're not just constantly entering that figure in so um i'm bi- i'm a big fan of those uh you know sort of uh, tool-wide assumptions being set because it can just save you a lot of time in the future Indeed. And in the reporting, every assumption is listed as to what assumption is being used, um, whether it's a 3% or 6%, but whatever that long-term assumption is that's being used as an index number, it's all listed there on the report so the clients can see this has been based on those parameters, um, not not you know, unknown parameters, if you like. Yeah. So then what's on the plan going forward? You know, what are the things that you've got coming out sort of in the near future? And is there any sort of blue sky way out that you, you'd love to take a retire map into? Yeah, we, we're not looking for a mass distribution in every planning practice body means because it's not just a niche, but we are looking to work very closely with those uh, more sophisticated planners. So the, uh, in terms of uh, pipeline, oh, gee, with, I've just counted them up. Uh, before the interview a couple of days ago, actually, and found that uh, over the last two years, we've done 1,500 plus enhancements and upgrades. <laughs> some of those are nuances and some of those are significant. But we've got a pipeline full of different enhancements and upgrades that we're building. At the moment, we've got um, a group of financial planners who work in the property space. And over the next two weeks, we'll be doing some more enhancements in the property investment space where you can go into a um, client might have two or three investment properties. Uh, we'll be doing more work and upgrading on the capabilities in the super space and the self-managed super to provide even greater uh, 
capability and flexibility in that space as well. Um, and we'll do some more work in the structure area. The cash flow, um, we've really put a lot of time into that. And what's uh, one of the, the areas that I'm really pleased with that uh, through the different process of capturing the data in the, in the data entry and the fact find discovery phase, we've been able to gather a real, really strong whole of life scenario where we're able to capture things, not only like their basic household expenditure, then we go to things like planned long-term expenditure. And there's a section in there where it's got a wizard and you want to plan to replace your mobile phone every so many years. So you might put in there, update mobile phone every three years from 2025 to 2050 and with an index rate of about 3% increase. And that takes you about oh, 12 seconds to do that. Click the button and it feeds all the way through the 30 years. Same for laptops, same for uh, replacing the cars, those sorts of things. So you've got a true picture of what your actual household expenses are. Fantastic. And is there any other, so we've touched on the client portal, there's, there's the reports. Is there any other sort of elements of the tool that we've sort of missed covering off in the key features? Um, we covered off the, the uh, comparing of plans, the scenarios that you're able to create as many scenarios for a client at any given point in time and then compare those and it has the uh, um, the charts that show the variation of what that means. So what is the tax position, which is the option where you pay the most tax or the least tax and will show that which option has the best outcome for superannuation balance and continuity of superannuation. It'll show that sort of thing. In terms of the reporting, we have multiple levels of reporting. So first of all, we provide a table with all of the detail on a sequential basis, which is what I've used for many, many years and clients follow that really well. Then we added the graphs, tables and charts to it as well. So the clients can see it in the format that makes most sense to them, mm -hmm. whether it's from visual or whether it's from pure numbers. Exciting. All right, Advice Explorers. Well, if you'd like to find out more about RetireMap, then the website link is in the episode show notes, along with Andrew's LinkedIn details. I'm sure he's happy for you to reach out and he'll point you to the right place to find out more and maybe get a bit of a demo and run through of the tool. Uh, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Uh, Andrew, it's been great to hear about that's the, you know, a specialty tool in analysis, which I think is so powerful uh, to be able to, you know, a, a planner to understand what niche they're playing in and what they do the most of and have an analysis tool that matches that perfectly. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Peter. It's been a real pleasure. I've thoroughly enjoyed it and uh, I look forward to the next time. So, are you a current user of RetireMap? This is a really interesting analysis tool to me with the fact that it is designed for a specific uh, type of well, client, but uh, situation and therefore potentially a specific type of planner. And so I think um, this is one of those situations where it would really be great to put your hand up on the Ensemble community platform uh, because if you are using the tool because it suits your the structures you provide with clients or the structures they already have that you're advising on uh, and you've found that it works, please uh, share that on the platform. Maybe just drop a post in there and let people know because it is the sort of thing that may not be for everybody in fact, almost certainly won't be, but the people it suits, it's probably going to suit deeply, right? So um, I'd really encourage you to share that so that other, and if you're curious, feel free to post and, and post that question up there. And I'm sure you'll get some responses from people currently using the tool. In terms of my thoughts, uh, 
I think, you know, I used the word niche uh, as we were chatting and, and I'd want to sort of clarify what, what I mean by that. When we are selecting tools, it's not just about who we're niching on, right? Or who we, the, the focus or the type of person that we focus on. It's also the type of work we end up doing. You may have a specialty that's about the structures you put in place. Now that's naturally going to attract a certain type of client. So that is a niche, but understanding the type of work you do for your clients and the structures you put in place can then mean then the tech tools you pick could be different. And this is one of those cases where a tool that responds um, proactively to company structures, SMSFs, other things, and makes it easier to demonstrate that and analyze it for the client, um, clearly will suit somebody that's doing a lot more of that. So it's an interesting little shift in mindset to think about, all oh, the way you work could define the tool you pick um, and not just who you do the work for. Um, and so thinking that through and Adding that almost to your specifications list when you're looking for a tool, I think can make a big difference because it will help you narrow them down a lot quicker. So if there's something in particular you do a lot of and you're comparing a whole lot of tools, you know, to add that to the list means it's one of the first questions you can ask. Run me through how you would do this type of structure. And, you know, if they're 47 clicks later and it looks like you're going to have to basically butcher the thing to really get it to do what you need it to do, then clearly a tool isn't for you. And I think on analysis tools, look, there's so many uh, coming out. There's so many things that are going to evolve over time for analysis tools. It really is going to come down to finding the right one that suits your practice, the way you think, um, and the the things that your clients need. Um, there isn't going to be a perfect tool for everybody. It's just not going to work that way. Um, the great thing about how smart tools are getting right now is they're going to do a lot of the heavy lifting for us, you know, even from a scenario basis. I mean, in the bad old days, and I'm going to show my age here, but in the bad old days, you recreated from scratch each scenario. And it wasn't that easy to line them up next to each other. You sort of had to do it yourself by, you know, printing out the graphs and holding them up next to each other, right? Like it was a, it was quite a different exercise and it was super easy not to match them right? Not to actually have them line up. And so you slightly change an assumption in the second one that you didn't want to, and then it blows out the analysis. So a lot of that stuff is getting much easier. uh, And I think now we're going to be able to pick tools from an analysis perspective that really match what we do, uh, which is exciting. Now, as you know, only one skill we need to become bionic advisors. Think Iron Man, think Tony Stark, right? That's who we're all going to become, but financial advisors, how exciting. Uh, Well, the skill we need is avid curiosity. um, And to help you build that habit, today's Curiosity Corner app that I was hoping you'd take a look at is called Machined. You can find it at machined.ai. Now, Machined is actually an end-to-end content generation machine, right? Now, what you can do sort of in a matter of a few clicks um, then it can generate hundreds of high-quality articles um, written and ready to be polished and then published. Now, what it does is, based on a topic, an initial topic selection, um, it creates articles in a cluster. And what I mean by that is it'll come up with like a primary article on that topic 
and then a cluster of five or ten expansionary articles underneath it. Um, now, the primary article and those ones underneath it are based on its smarts around keyword search and advanced analytics. Um, and so it, it will carefully choose keywords that work well together and will automatically interlink the articles in each cluster, sort of using natural sounding, but certainly keyword targeted links, right? So it's this clever way of coming up with sort of a, a whole suite of articles that sort of blend in together and, and link well. So the process is it sort of generates that list of titles. You def- you decide which ones you think you want it to write. And after telling it, how's this for a, for a laugh, what tone and what perspective to use. So do you want first person or third person? Do you want casual tone or do you want professional? So you could have a casual tone in first person or a professional tone in second person. You know, all these things are possible. Then it goes away and writes all of those articles. Now, I can't imagine ever letting a tool do this in its entirety in that you just, okay, it's written them, publish, right? But getting it to do the initial hard yards, do that keyword searching and and really understand um, how that can play out in the articles you're writing uh, and then, you know, helping and then basically what I'd say is peterizing it or whoever you are, right, adding your flavor and your um, character and personality, maybe sense of humor. I think that's really powerful. Um, it's clearly using, uh, you know, AI and other things in the tool. Um, and so that's part of the power of it. Uh, but this is just something that I think is interesting. I've only just started to sort of set it up, so I haven't gone a long way down this. Um, haven't even really started playing with it, but I did want to flag it because it sounded interesting to me. And you know, I mean, there's always lots of ways that you could be using this tool in terms of generating um, information and and articles for your the consumer, your targets, even your current clients. So, well. I hope you check it out, and I'd love to hear if you had some fun and had some um, great outcomes from it. Well, that's all we've got for this week. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll get your advice tech fix automatically sent to you each Friday. And like I always say at the end of each episode, hey, if you're stuck in a rut in processes and tech, you're not sure where to go for the next 12 to 18 months, you need a brainstorming session with the team, you want to work out the next projects or even how to how to sort of streamline the tech you're using, you feel like it's all got a bit much, then I would love to assist by facilitating a session for you in your practice. So please reach me out, reach reach me out, reach out to me. (laughs) Tongue twisters. So please reach out to me on LinkedIn forward slash Peter MD. That's P-E-I-T-A. MD, I clearly need to go and have a lie down. Uh, So I think I'll leave you with that, folks. Otherwise, I'll look forward to turning up in your earbuds next week. And remember, advice explorers, stay curious.